0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of AMA, where you get to ask me anything you want. Submit all those crazy questions. Your only gatekeeper is my man Shaz over here, so you do have to get by him. So ask some amazing questions. And by the way, if you haven't already heard, if you're a fan of movies, comic books, TV shows, all that good stuff, head over right now to Impact Theory Studios on youtube that's impact theory studios give it a sub we are going to be going hard on how you can extract mindset stuff from movies tv shows etc 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 so thank you guys so much for joining me today we're going to um start off with something a little bit special that everyone here freaked out over and that is our boy daniel breeze got a tattoo why don't we throw that up ibrahim this is amazing and a very powerful reminder that I'm the type of person that, it's an incredibly useful tool if you want to build your identity, and building your identity is of course the first step to making real change. So identity drives behavior, so get after that. I'm not saying everybody needs to get a tattoo, but I am saying that Daniel Breeze, you're my hero. That's amazing. All right, we're gonna jump right in here to the first question. And this comes from Elliot James on Facebook. Hi, Tom. What is your opinion on doing things by yourself rather than with a group of people, friends? This could be anything from volunteering and traveling abroad on your own. Why do people feel so fearful on doing things on their own if they know it's going to benefit themselves and others? Um, So... Let's start with the first part. So what's my opinion on doing things by yourself? I think that there's an incredible amount of power in never being afraid to be the lone wolf. I think that you've got to have enough confidence in yourself that when you have an instinct that you should be going in a certain direction that you're willing to go and try it out. It's not necessarily always going to work, But when you have that kind of confidence in yourself that you're willing to give it a shot, you're willing to trust your instincts, you actually have the opportunity to bring something new and fresh to the world. So the only way you're ever going to bring something new, you're going to be remembered, you're going to have a fresh voice, is if you're not afraid to go against the grain. And I forget who said this, but it's a really powerful quote, and that is, the only way to really do something extraordinary in life is to go against everyone else and be right. Uh, I've always thought that was amazing because it really is a two-part thing. It's not enough to go against the mainstream. You've got to go against the mainstream and be right. So whenever you find yourself in that situation, then hopefully you will have believed in yourself enough to have actually gone down the path. But the key is that you've got to build that confidence. To build the confidence, it really does come from competence. You've got to get good at something. And this is becoming more and more a theme for me as I get more and more questions from people about how to... um, really the question usually stems from, I wanna create my own podcast, what should I do? And my answer is always and forever, go get good at something else first. So for instance, if you look at what I actually create the um, content around, it's always about something else. It's not about creating content in and of itself, which by the way, I don't think is yet an area of expertise. And by the, oh my God, I can't believe Yesterday, my boy Evan Carmichael, if you guys don't know Evan – Uh, go check out his channel. So on YouTube yesterday, he released a video breaking down everything that we're doing wrong on our YouTube channel. And oh my God, it is such good advice. I was blown away. So I don't yet consider myself an expert in actually creating the content uh, where I do think I'm an expert is in building businesses. So that I did for 15 years before there was any sort of uh, way, or not way, because it existed. I just wasn't doing it. So I wasn't creating content around it. I wasn't talking about it. I was just doing it day in and day out. And even now, if I'm really honest, the thing that I'm betting on that I believe in isn't the um, the content creation. It's, it's building the studio. And so I'll say that it's not the social content creation. It's the traditional narrative content creation. That's my obsession. That's the thing that I think is really going to help people. Building the studio is what I care about. And literally, I was telling the team the other day, I get so frustrated when I'm, my schedule is, per, uh, is dominated by doing things for the social content and not dominated by doing things that I think is really going to move the studio forward because, to me, the way that I'm going to have the impact on the world that I really want to have is 20% social content. It's 80% narrative traditional content. So... That's really the answer. You've got to double down on getting great at something. Now, when you're great at something, you're just not gonna be afraid to stand alone because you're gonna start to understand what works and what doesn't work. And when you know what doesn't work, then it's like, okay, I'm not gonna do that. So even if it's like, mm, for whatever reason, I'm being drawn to that, I'm going to set that aside I'm going to go over here. I'm going to try this thing because I've just got so much experience. I've got a sense of what's going to play and what's not going to play. So that really is the key to being that lone wolf. But once you get there, it is incredibly powerful because you can sway culture, which, hey, is exactly what we're setting out to do. All right. Next question is from Joe Cross, our boy. What is up, Joe Cross? coming to us from Facebook. After listening to everything you've created, I'm not sure I've ever heard the story of how you chose the name Impact Theory. Could you share it? The reason you haven't heard the story is because we have PSD over this shit. So um, it, it was very, very painful. And I... PST. I said PSD, like literally PTSD. I was like, I'm sketching out like my mind is freezing. Uh, We have PTSD over that. PSD is the Photoshop file name. Uh, So yes, it was a very long and traumatic process, which has caused my brain to stop working currently. Um, It was, we made a list of, we literally sat around for hours at a time, throwing out names. Originally, I wanted to call the company. um, Oh God, can I remember now? Mission house. I was obsessed with mission house because we had a mission and this was like the place, the physical manifestation of that thing. And we debated it internally, endlessly, and we put it out to a survey because people were like, I don't know, it kind of sounds like a soup kitchen. And then we put it out and um, did one of those. You can actually pay. There's like a service where you pay whatever, a hundred bucks and they go and have people take the survey. And the overwhelming number of people were like, yeah, that makes me think of a soup kitchen. So that's why we moved away from that one. But we had legitimately on the list probably over 250 names that we were batting around. Um, For a long time, my obsession was impact machine because I wanted to be a machine of impact where we were just pumping it out, pumping it out, like impact after impact. And then I realized, okay, that's how people get caught up in their own hype. The truth is I have a theory about how to impact people. And that was how that name started getting thrown around. Um, Impact theory also is a theory about how the moon was formed, which is that the earth in its early stages was hit by a meteorite so big that it spun off like this molten stuff, which ultimately coalesced into the moon. So I loved that there was like this... um, astronomy, um, scientific element to the name impact theory. Also, there was a little bit of mindshare. I'm going really deep on this answer, but you did ask. Um, and, but it was not the obvious choice. And that's the thing. When naming a company, it's shocking how unobvious things usually seem. So, yeah, we went through a lot, a lot, a lot of iterations. Agent Smith had his obsession. Let's see if I can remember it. Potentialism. Yeah, buddy. I have to say, I gave that one a serious look. I kind of dug it. It was a made up word, which I really liked, which meant it could be trademarked. Oh, and for a while, we actually um, not trademarked the term, but we uh, originally, in fact, our corporate name is still Evolver Type LLC. Uh, Because that was the one man, we were going to be that for a while. We were going to be White Rabbit, and we actually um, created that company. So, we created two companies first, White Rabbit LLC, then um, Evolver Type LLC, and then ultimately, we ended up with Impact Theory. There were just a bazillion reasons why what we could trademark, what we couldn't trademark, what we wanted people to think and feel, it representing what we're really about. Um, So, yeah, all that stuff. But I still get mail to White Rabbit LLC. So, There you have it. All right, next question from Harris Salim. Uh, Hey, Tom, how do I change my mindset from wanting quick results to developing the patience to enjoy the process of acquiring the results? I'm trying to study for my exams and lose weight. I know it'll take time and I know the time is going to pass anyway. Um, Why not just take action? So first of all, yeah, exactly. Why not just take action? So there's no arguing that one. But I will say that... um, I can't give you an answer on how to develop patience because I think patience is a crime against humanity. I think anybody that has patience is wasting their fucking time. I think you should show up every day and play like today is the only day you have and that everything has to be done right now, today. So, you have to play the long game and you've got to look at how long you may have to go at something really, really hard in order to make it come true. But I think the thing that's allowed me to have the kind of success that I've had and as rapidly as I've had it is I, I cultivate anti-patience. I have no patience. I'm trying to do everything right now, but I play that way for a very long period of time. So I'm trying to go balls to the wall all day, every day for decades. Now, You've got to love what you're doing. And that's why I push that angle. Like, you've really got to love what you're doing because the truthful answer is you've got to show up and go hard, hard, hard for decades before anything is going to happen. But that doesn't mean that I'm sitting back and being patient. I'm fucking as impatient as they come. So it's not about giving up the desire for fast results. I want fast results. But if you're willing to play the game long-term, if you're willing to be reputation protective, which really forces me to think about who do I wanna be 10, 20 years from now? How do I want people to see me? What do I want to be true about myself? So none of it's coming from a place of patience, but it is coming from a reality of accepting, hey, sometimes if you're the bull in the china shop, it actually moves you backwards. So I'm not doing it to be patient. I'm doing it because I know that's the only way to get what I want as fast as humanly possible is right now in this moment, I need to back off. So you definitely have to get good at that, but I would say cultivate anti patience All right. This question is from Karthik Manon. How do you rewire your brain to change your beliefs? As you have emphasized on many times in your videos, your beliefs make or break you. Thank you. Um, So the way that you rewire your brain is, first of all, just to understand neuroplasticity and how it works. It's a process called myelination. And what's happening is, um, there's an old saying, neurons that fire together, wire together. So whenever you're doing something in a repetitious manner, your brain is watching for that from a structural standpoint and saying, okay, these pathways are firing a lot. So we want to make them more efficient. To make them more efficient, you wrap this fatty tissue around the connection points called myelin. So that is one, why it's important important to have fat in your diet because you're going to need it to create neural connections like that but then that very process requires the repetition so you've got to do something over and over and over now if you do something over and over and over in a sloppy manner you're going to you're going to wire things in that sloppy manner Also, if you want to, um, rather if you want to like get rid of an old habit, rather than thinking of unwinding it or demyelinating, what you want to do is just myelinate a new pathway. So instead of thinking about tearing down the old, think only about building the new. There's an amazing quote around that. That's essentially what I just said. Um, I forget who it's by, but that's the idea. Don't spend your energy thinking about tearing down the old. Think about building the new. So find that thing that you want to do that you know you need to get great at, and then in a very disciplined, structured manner, practice the shit out of it over and over and over with a relentless, obsessive drive. In fact, if today were Sesame Street, I'm telling you the word of the day is obsession. Obsession. That is, I think, one of the keys. A guy that we just interviewed, a guy named Taylor Wilson, I cannot wait for you guys to meet him, Uh, He created nuclear fusion at the age of 14, and he credits it all to obsession. Look, the kid is bright. There's no denying that, but his brother actually scores off the charts higher than him in like pretty much every standardized test they've ever taken, Um, but he's just done way more than his brother because his brother doesn't have that passion. He doesn't have that obsession. He's not in love with anything that he's doing, so that's what Taylor really credits with getting as much done as he has as early in his life is he just has that thing that he loves And so he goes all in on it. So when you've got that and you can practice in that super disciplined way, you're going to get the rewiring. All right, next question is from Dan Bede. This one is from YouTube. As an entrepreneur individual, what are your thoughts on learning skills information not directly related to your short-term goal, like learning biology and wanting to be a neuroscientist? Okay, so this really comes down to you've got to have long-ranging goals. You've got to know exactly where you're trying to go and then work your way backwards. So I want to build a studio and what do I need to do to actually build a studio that's bigger than Disney? And then you literally come backwards to where you are. Now, once you've identified where you are and where you wanna get to, you know what your skill gap is. Now you need to identify, like, what is that lead domino? You're always trying to find the lead domino. Mad shout out to Tim Ferriss for giving me that terminology. And you wanna find the thing that when you knock that down, it's gonna knock a bunch of other things down. So if you wanna be a neuroscientist and you know that you're gonna have to learn biology and that biology is the base of all of that, Awesome, then you know that doing that is going to be critical to what you're trying to accomplish long-term. So your long-term goal, neuroscientist, your immediate term is learning biology. If you know that that's just what it takes to get where you wanna go, then they're not two competing things. It only becomes a problem when you're pursuing two competing things, meaning they're not helping each other. They don't, um, when you put energy into one, it doesn't naturally, lead Domino, knock down the other one or partly. So they become competitive in the sense that for your time. So that is something that you really have to avoid. So you wanna find that thing. So let me just finish what I was saying about being a studio. So I worked my way back to where I am. If I want to do, you know, let's say a hundred million dollar film. If I do that now and we lose, I lose everything. So that wouldn't make any sense. So gambling everything on one thing, learn from our boy Richard Branson, always hedge your downside. It doesn't mean that you don't take risks, but it means you don't bet the farm on any one thing. So you need to have acceptable downside. So I just know, read the book Hitmakers if you want more information on this, that in any creative endeavor, you have to be able to survive a ridiculously low hit rate, which means most of what you do is gonna fail. It's just not gonna resonate. I fully understand that. Most of the videos we put out don't resonate, right? There's There's precious few David Goggins, Mel Robbins, like... There's just some that just smash and they go crazy and viral. Uh, Simon Sinek, right? And then most of it doesn't. Most of it's like a base hit. So you've got to be able to survive that. So I know I have to have a visual medium that's far cheaper. Okay, what's that visual medium? Comic books. Awesome. I can do that on a much um, less expensive route. It's measured in the thousands of dollars instead of millions of dollars. And now I can put out a whole bunch of those. And if most of them fail, that's fine. We look at the one that hits and then we go from there. So working way back, I could literally spend the next eight hours talking to you exhaustively about how I created that skill gap pathway, but that's in a very small nutshell what you need to do. Okay, next question is from Tanil Filesteel. Wow, Tenille Filesteel. That's literally how it's spelled. All right, this is on Facebook. How do you approach handling a toxic work environment that uses character assassination, Jesus, and bullying as means to problem solve? Nobody wants to run out of a job because others use such methods. Is it worth the fight at that point? If so, how do you begin to implement change? Wow, there's a lot. Don't scroll off this one. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to be really honest. I want everybody to follow my thought process. My first assumption to Neil is that you're wrong. My first assumption is that you're delicate. Now, I could be wrong. I want to fully acknowledge that. But because I'm always looking at what I'm doing wrong, I put myself into your position and I say, okay, I'm in this environment that uses character assassination and bullying. And I think two things. One, am I just being overly sensitive? And two, if I'm not being overly sensitive, and it really is like that, how the hell did I end up here? So I didn't choose well going in. I didn't interview them well. I didn't figure out what was going on for real in the organization. I didn't ask around. I didn't interview them. Like Whatever it was, I have done something wrong. So in reading the question, that I definitely have that in the back of my mind. Now I'm going to assume for a second that that's not the case, that you've fully accurately read it correctly, that you're in an organization that actually uses character assassination and bullying, which is insanity. And I would say, get out as fast as you can. So getting out as fast as you can looks like this. While you still have the job, because I get it, you've got to make ends meet. There is no reason, boys and girls, to burn the ships at the shore. That is like something that you reserve for the most dire of situations. But- If you're in one of those situations, we'll set that aside for now. For now, I'm going to assume that you can ride it out for a little bit longer, and you're going to go find another job. You're going to interview while you still have the paycheck coming in. That gives you the time to do all the things you didn't do well coming into this organization. You want to really interview them as much as they're interviewing you. I think that's very, very important. And if they respond weirdly to you asking questions or wanting to talk to some of the employees, then I'm just red flag after red flag. That isn't the place that you want to be. So you're going to do that. You're going to interview. You're going to find a job that you really care about where your values are aligned. Where your values are aligned, I cannot stress that enough. So look at what they write down. One thing I found is, as an organi- organization gets bigger, you're only as good as what you put on paper. So you're going to want to see, like, what are their, what's their handbook look like? Actually read it and figure out, like, what do they value? What's their um, sick day policy? That that's something that I made a huge mistake on earlier in my life because I won't derail on that. I made a huge mistake on it, and it. It really showed me that what you write down is all that mattered. It didn't matter how I treated people one-on-one. It only mattered what I put down on paper. So that's one of the reasons that we have an unlimited vacation policy now. If you have an amazing opportunity come up in your life, go do it. If you're sick, stay home. Like, So find out what people value. Uh, that's hugely important. Also, what product do they make? Is it something that you can get excited about? Is it something that you believe in? Is it is, Does that matter to you, by the way? Because I'm painting my belief system onto you. So... Figuring out what you care about, what kind of thing you're going to be willing to struggle for because the struggle is guaranteed. The success is not. So you've got to really believe in what they do and you have to align with their value system and the way they run their organization. And then meet some of the people just to make sure that you get a good vibe. Um, So yeah, that's what you're going to do. Get out, get out, get out. That is my biggest piece of advice uh, because if they really use character assassination and bullying, I wouldn't try to implement change. I would GTFO. Okay. Okay. Next question is from Joshua Lanier. Uh, Can you explain and give examples of how to identify identify indicators of being busy versus being productive towards your goals? Thank you. So yes, it goes like this. You need to be able to relentlessly self-assess at the end of every day. I do it in three-hour increments, but that may not be the vibe for you. I just know for me to stay on track, I really need to hold myself accountable in shorter increments because I absolutely despise losing time So going back to my earlier point about not being patient at all, but once you have whatever increment it is that you're going to revisit your performance, you're going to ask, did I take a meaningful step towards my goal? Now, being able to effectively answer that question is not easy, but this is exactly what you have to get good at. You've got to be able to say, okay, this is my goal, so I'll use me again. So my goal is to build a studio that rivals Disney. What did I do today? So what does Disney do, right? They put out amazing intellectual property that gets inside the soul of people that becomes a part of them, which then is what allows them to internalize that belief system, also allows Disney to merchandise because people have this real affinity for these characters in the way that they make them feel. Okay, so those are two things that I need to do. I need to be able to create intellectual property that has a meaningful impact on people, and then I also need to make sure that it's something that merchandises. So I'm looking at how did I spend my time? So I've broken things down into essentially three pillars, and I look at do things feed into those three pillars. So one, community that's huge. I wanna pull people out of the matrix, and I believe that creating a community is absolutely essential to that for two reasons. One, emotionally, as you come into impact theory, it's got to feel awesome. Now, that's important because two, the other thing the community does for me is it really gives people the, um, it gives me an army of people that will mobilize when I need them. So if I say, hey guys, we've got this comic, it's really crushing it, we want to sell it to Netflix, I want you to show up today at Netflix holding signs that say impact theory or whatever, that some percentage of you is actually gonna go do that, but you're only gonna do that if this community has been amazing, it's been value-add to you, and it's felt awesome. It's made you feel better about yourself, made you feel more capable. It's given you real skills, okay? So that's why community is huge. So I'm evaluating. Over the last three hours, did I do something that moved the community forward? Was it meaningful? The only reason I do the social content, it's all fucking community. The second thing is money, Right? Gotta make money. That's just the truth of the matter. If we're not making money, then we're not gonna be able to keep doing this. So, did I do something that built into community? Did I do something that I can monetize? And the third thing is impact. And that's my ultimate driver. The first two are meant to help me do the third thing. So, Those are the three pillars, the way that I look at things, the way that I determine, like, okay, did I do anything over the last three hours that made a meaningful impact that moved me towards one of those three things? And if I did, awesome. It was time well spent. And if I didn't, what the fuck am I doing? So there you have it. All right. Next question is from Anita Conley, Facebook. When you fail for four years straight on the business side of entrepreneurship, but you've made massive improvement and growth on the personal development side, how do you undo a poor image you created for yourself and your biz over the last four years and turn it around and save face and head toward success? Okay, the brakes screeched at save face. Don't worry about saving face, don't think about that at all. That's like a personal development thing. You you should know better than that. So saving face is not the issue. The only thing is head towards success. Now that is a great question. So, first of all, if your business has gotten into some sort of um, weird place, Uh, it's hard to understand exactly what you mean by undo a poor image. If you have a poor image with your customer, but you believe that the company is still worth salvaging, then do what Domino's did and literally just say, okay, we're going to overhaul everything, the way that we do it, how we communicate the product, like whatever it is that you think is giving you a poor image, we're going to overhaul it all. You're going to do all of that work to know exactly what you're going to do because you're about to make a big promise to your community and you've got to make sure you deliver on that. So once you figure out what's going wrong, get the plan in place to address it. You're very confident that once you launch this, it is going to crush and you've got that button down. Then you're going to make a big announcement to your community and you're going to say, here are all of our sins. Here are all the things that we've been doing wrong, all the things we're not proud of. You're going to be insanely vulnerable. You're going to be 100% transparent. You're not going to worry about saving face whatsoever. In fact, you're going to do your best to fall on your face. So uh, right now I'm writing my first book and literally I'm going out of my way to make sure that I paint the truth of who I was before I started going on the mindset journey uh, because it ain't, pretty, but I want people to know the truth of that, even though it's going to be insanely embarrassing for me, because once you understand where I started, then you understand, A, anybody can do it, and B, it makes the journey that much more interesting, So, um, but I have to really show people what I was about, so don't worry about saving face. That's not going to help you. Transparency, authenticity, that will create a real and meaningful relationship with your community, and that is the important part. So get that plan together and then launch it and be vulnerable and then execute the shit out of that plan. All right, next up, Taji Gross. How do I get more involved with impact theory and be a team player and truly make an impact? Okay, so first and foremost if you're interested, if you live in Los Angeles and you're interested in being an intern, then write us at Connected Impact Theory. That is certainly the easiest way. Second, be extraordinary at something. We have needs, man. And people that can help us meet those needs, those are going to be people that we're going to suck into the ecosystem. So this is very much not a skill set charity. This is not where you come to uh, bring nothing to the table and get helped a whole bunch. This is about you're fucking amazing at something that's going to help me with the three pillars that I just went through. And if you're amazing at something that helps me with those three pillars, then fantastic. I want to hear from you. So you've gotta be really, really good at something. So write us, tell us what you're really, really good at. If it feeds into that, or if you can come here and be an intern, man, we're about it. Um, Conversely, if you don't live in Los Angeles or that's not the way that you wanna have impact, all you have to do, share the content, man. Share the content. That is so huge for us. I just can't tell you enough. Share the content. Also, I talked about this at the top of the episode, Evan Carmichael. If you guys don't already know Evan Carmichael, go subscribe to his YouTube channel. I am so grateful to him. He did a breakdown of everything that we're doing wrong on YouTube. It is so genius. It's such good advice. It was unbelievable. Uh, I'm just beyond grateful. So you don't have to worry about my feelings. Just give me a breakdown. Like If you have expertise, though, by the way, read Ray Dalio's principles. If you have no believability in this arena and I'm going to look at you and go, what the fuck do you know? Like, and, and I mean that with, like, with no disrespect. I'm always open to great ideas, but like, take take me somewhere where you're an expert. Break down what I'm doing wrong so that you can really add advice because what I need isn't just the, you're doing this wrong. I need to know what I need to do to do it right. But I couldn't be more open to you saying, here are all the things you're doing wrong. You don't have to worry about my feelings at all. And then just give me what I need to do to be doing it right, but please have expertise in the area. Okay, uh, but the short answer is share the content. Yay, All right, question from Wakar Khan. My closest friend becomes hostile now that he has achieved success and now I'm alone on my path and what we both wanted to do in life and now every work that he puts out hurts me. How do I deal with this? I need your help a little bit with the like grammar and stuff. Um, So, okay, so basically you and your friend were going at the same path and now your friend has become successful and everything he does upsets you and what do you do? All right, here's my advice. Lean in. You need to legitimately, honestly, authentically be happy for your friend. The fact that they found success, regardless, by the way, of whether they're being a dick to you, they found success and that's awesome. Don't ever waste your time on being jealous, being angry, being frustrated with somebody for having success. That's rad. So well played on them. Now you can break down what they did that you didn't do to figure out like how you could have done the same things, have the same kind of success. And I'm all for, by the way, you wanting to be better and more successful than them. I'm even all for you putting a chip on your shoulder, but that's 20% of your time. The 80% of your time needs to be stoked. Like that's awesome. Whenever I see somebody succeed, I'm stoked for them. So be happy, don't waste time letting it sting, don't waste more than 20% of your time letting their success sting you and also figure out what your responsibility is in the, um, the degradation of the friendship because the fact that you tell me that everything that he puts out hurts you, I'm gonna guess that when he first started becoming successful, you weren't stoked for him, which sucked for him, he felt bad, you, you, because the only person I'm talking to is you, so I'm gonna say it's all your fault You didn't make them feel good. And so they started to separate because you were a little bit jealous of the success that they were having. So instead of being happy for them, excited for them, they could feel that even if you were trying to keep it under wraps, my guess is that it leaked out, that they felt that. And so that put the friendship on tenuous ground. Then they start lashing back out at you, which then only escalates you lashing back out at them. And we get into this weird thing. So um, I think the problem probably, and I don't know the situation for real, but probably could have been solved by you finding, cause I get it, man. I get that that's not going to be your initial reaction, but find that place in you to be happy for them, to encourage them, to be super stoked for them. Even if like you just have to say, okay, this is pettiness. This is insecurity on my part. Like And then flip that switch in your head and go, look, I'm gonna be super supportive. I'm gonna get way behind this. And then do, man, be their best cheerleader ever. And if you really value their friendship, go to them and say, look, I've been petty, I've been insecure, and I'm gonna switch that all right now. I'm gonna be your biggest cheerleader. I still wanna beat you, but I wanna do it in a healthy, friendly way. has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply all right next up this one is from gs motivatel like you i'm a person who is anti-patient nice how did you build your team company when you were so driven and others are not? How do you find other driven people and get them to work with you? Okay, so this is where you have to be really fucking realistic. First of all, I think that there are two categories that you're gonna need to have in your company linchpins, and continuity players. So some people really aren't gonna be that driven. You need to understand that. Like, that is, that, like There's no moral obligation to be a linchpin. There's no moral obligation to give yourself over completely to your job. It is not realistic, certainly not as you scale. So first and foremost, I get it, man. Some people, they want a stress-free life. Fair enough. As long as I know that going into it, as long as I know that's what they want and I can understand where they wanna fit into the organization fully, Okay, so continuity players. Now, linchpins, on the other hand, you've got all the leverage in the world because a linchpin actually wants to become extraordinary. Now, success demands a price of everyone. It has nothing to do with me. It's not me holding them to a standard. It's not me worrying about whether they have drive or not. It's me saying, hey, you told me your goal was that. Either admit to yourself that's not actually what you want and so that you can find a lifestyle that actually makes you happy or own that the things you're not doing or the things you're doing are not moving you towards your goals. So then we can just have that really clear conversation. Also here, culture is a big deal. So for instance, Shaw's here, which by the way, like at some point we should probably like scoot you in so we can get you on camera if we want to. Um, but he made me read the book principles by Ray Dalio and I am blown away. This book is astonishingly good. And I highly recommend it. It's definitely going to be on my book list. I haven't finished it yet. Once I finish it, I'll put it on the book list. Absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal. And I told everybody, hey, you should read it because it's really having a big impact on me and you're going to start to feel it working its way into the culture here in the company and then it gives us a common lexicon. So we can talk about drive. We can talk about, now moving on to other books. We can talk about grit. um, We can talk about mindset. Like these are all things that we've made part of the company culture. So you want to make sure people know what the culture is. In fact, one of the interns made a very um, wise request of me, which I still haven't delivered on, but I will, which is to actually write down very specifically, what is the company culture? What does it mean to work here? What are the expectations? So that's something advice I'll give to myself that I'll also give to you. Write it down. As you scale, you're only as good as the things that you write down. So that's super important. Um, Also in the hiring process, I'm looking for three things and I tell people I'm looking for those three things. Grand ambition, drive, and compassion. So right off the bat, they know, hey, those are the three things. So as we go um, into the relationship, I can say, hey, you agreed that you were those three things and thus I'm going to hold you to that standard. Um, So There it is. All right, next question is from Rufaro Matamambe. That's an awesome name. Hi, Tom, thanks for everything you do. You're very welcome. My question is, how do you find that one thing you want to achieve for you and then map backwards from it and get to the steps you need to take for you to achieve that thing? I know I'm not doing as much as I can, but my why is weak, so sometimes the motivation or the vision isn't always there to push me those extra steps. Okay. This question is the question that terrifies me to no end. You don't find the one thing. And the reason it terrifies me is I secretly worry that some people are never going to build into their life something that they love. That's my secret fear. Now I'm going to operate for a minute assuming that that fear is unjustified and that everyone can walk the following path. But this is the path that I walked find something that you're interested in. That's the only thing that I'll say is sort of a find. So you need to encounter a lot of stuff, no question, but in that you're gonna find that there's some things that you just like. They're more interesting than others. You're more drawn to that thing than something else. So once you find that thing that you find interesting, Now you're going to go into a hardcore process, and through engagement, you're going to find out if that thing can turn into a fascination. Now, once something, and again, through engagement, you realize is a fascination, meaning you really did it. You went hard on that. So let's take something. It's always my go-to example. In fact, I'm going to change it up. I'll give you my example. So the thing that I found that I found just unusually interesting was movies. I loved movies as a kid. And it was one of those things. I knew I like this more than most people. I'm just a little more into this than the next person. And because of that, um, my dad one day brought home a camcorder. And when I saw that, I thought, whoa, got hold of the camcorder, started filming stuff, started to realize how interested I was about being behind the camera and where you put the camera and what that does and what storytelling is. And so that came along when I was 12. From 12 to like 18, whenever I could, I was filming. I was filming nights, I was filming weekends, I was making music videos, I was making, if you were supposed to write an essay in high school, I would ask if I could do a movie instead. Like I was doing all of that stuff. Now this is when, computers and all the stuff that you guys have. Like, it wasn't like that back then. I couldn't edit digitally. That didn't exist. You're doing VHS to VHS editing, which was a nightmare. You were doing it in-camera. I actually did in-camera stop motion once with an ice cube. Brace yourself for that one. Um, And that was like... Just incredible, and the more I did it, the more I realized, wow, man, I like this more and more. The more I engaged, the more I discovered, the more intrigued I am, and so it really became a fascination. So I decided I'm gonna go to film school. Now, film school is about gaining mastery, and this is where it gets really important. Once you realize something through engagement has become a fascination, now you need to gain true mastery. You need to decide that you're gonna become the greatest in the world at something, and I went to film school with the sole notion of I'm gonna become the best filmmaker the planet has ever seen. When you go into something like that, now it's hardcore. Now you have to practice. Now you have to be disciplined. Now you have to push through boredom. You have to go. You have to get gritty as fuck. You've gotta really grind it out. So in that process of gaining mastery, you'll feel empowered by getting good at it or you won't. And if the more energy and effort you're putting into getting good, it's sucking the life out of you then it's not something you should continue to pursue and you should go do something else and find the next thing that can turn into a fascination, ultimately gaining mastery in that and find out if you love it. But if gaining mastery makes you feel more and more powerful, gives you energy, you get excited to learn the next thing, then that's the thing that you want to go down that path. Now, I want to believe that that is a path that everyone can walk. But Jesus, the number of people that ask me that question, it's starting to scare me. So I want to know. I want all of you guys out there right now, if you're struggling with this, one, I want you to stay in contact with me. Two, I want you to go encounter a bunch of stuff. If you don't already know what you find interesting, encounter a bunch of stuff, anything, random stuff all over the map. See if something is of interest. Tell me about it. Then go down that path. Engage with it. Have fun. It's playful at this point. Does it turn into a fascination? If it does, tell me about it. Then I want you to go down the path of gaining mastery, and that's something that I want to be there every step of the way to see how you're going, where you're struggling, all of that. I think it's it's really, really fascinating, and maybe this path is something I'll turn into a book one day. Um, that is That's the path that I went on, which hey, it's all coming around full circle and now I'm building the studio. All right, question from William Rosenberg on Facebook. My 10-year-old brother is overweight and being bullied at school. I'm 25 and live far across the country from him and, and, and am struggling to help improve his situation. He is awesome and is taking on a growth mindset in many areas. This makes me wanna cry, uh, but this situation is really hurting him to the point of fighting to stay home from school. Oh, do you have any advice for him, for me or my family on how to improve the situation? Yes. I'm going to take a drink. So we're about to get into this shit. All right. So first of all, I'm going to give this all to your 10-year-old brother, but I want you to sit with him or on the phone with him or whatever while he listens to this. I actually have anxiety because I want to deliver on this so much. Don't fucking scroll off that question. All right. Dearest ten-year-old brother, one being overweight is in your control. Let's start with that. It's going to be hard as hell because it's not just the things that you think. And if you think that it's harder to lose weight for you than most people, it probably is. So there is a whole host of genetic and most importantly epigenetic factors, and um, probably has a lot to do with your microbiome. In fact, can I make a prediction? Were you a C-section baby? If you were, if you were, I'm really going to freak out, but. It's like in America, one in five, one in three. It's one in five or one in three kids are born C-section. That's crazy because of the impact that it has on your microbiome. It is not your mom's fault. It's just like, we're just now discovering this stuff. Now, I start with that because it's very important. If you're overweight and you know you can do something about it and you choose not to, Rad, no problem. But now, like that's you, don't let people bully you for who you choose to be, right? So that's step number one. So if you choose to rock out the being overweight, then fuck anyone who says differently. Now, I get that that's very easy to say and it is insanely hard to face the bullying. But unfortunately, we may not be able to stop the bullying so we only have two choices, get really good at dealing with it or get out of the situation. So those are ultimately gonna be your options. If you decide, on the other hand, that you want to get lean, then get lean. Now, at 10, dude, this is going to be a brutal journey. Your brain isn't fully developed, and it won't, by the way, finish developing until you're 25, which is probably a pretty damn good reason to listen to your brother because his brain is fully developed. That's just knowing the hardware that you're dealing with. All right, so you know that when you're 10, your amygdala, which is the thing that handles your emotions, okay? Don't worry about the word. It handles your emotions it's massive, and it makes everything a really big deal. Now, if you can understand that your brain is messing with you and that I promise as you get older, no matter how bad the bullying gets, as you get older, it's gonna get easier and easier to deal with. That's just not gonna seem true, but as you get older, trust me, trust me, you're gonna look back on this and it's gonna diminish in its importance. Now, if it's really getting to you, immediately get yourself out of that situation. Like That's so, so, so important. And the suicide rates of people that are bullied are terrifying. So you need to take this very seriously. This is big brother. That's very important for you, but also little brother, also incredibly um, important. I think kids at 10 are are brighter than people give them credit for. You need to understand that also is your brain messing with you, but is very serious from a neurochemical cascade perspective. So if the bullying's getting to that point, get homeschooled, move to a different district, Whatever you need to do to get out of that situation, get out of it, don't let it escalate. Okay, so now we know we've got a choice to do something about the weight, but maybe we don't want to. Either one is completely up to you. Uh, but whatever you end up choosing, like you've gotta start to build that confidence in yourself. Now, the confidence is gonna come from competence. It's getting good at something. So what is that thing that you wanna get good at? Start putting your time and energy into that because as you get get better at something, you're gonna start to feel better about yourself. And feeling better about yourself is the name of the game. Now, right now, you're letting external people influence how you feel about yourself, which is a very dangerous game. So we've gotta start turning inward and finding something that empowers us. Now, if you're developing a growth mindset, that is awesome. Just understand that that takes, even if you're going hard, every day. It's going to take a very long time to develop that, to develop the skill set, to get good. So really, really invest in that. Also, find something in your life that you love. Find friends that you can have a real connection with. That is a, a huge way to combat bullying obviously you've got a connection to your brother, but there's no substitute for being close, physically close to somebody. So even if you need to, um, start the friendships online and then try to take them with the supervision of your parents into real life. Um, I think that that's really important. Okay. Um, yeah, those, those are like the high level things i I am not happy with my answer to this. It's not something I've really had to think about how to deliver this to a 10-year-old kid. Let me just take one more 30-second shot at this. You're a fucking magical snowflake, but the reality is you're gonna have to bust your ass to manifest your potential. There's no way around that. I want there to be an easy path for you. There's not. This is gonna be all about really doing things that you're proud of and saying fuck you to people that are trying to get into your head. That is that is the raw, honest truth. Those kids, people are gonna tell you that those kids are bullying you out of insecurity and it's true, but here's the really bad news. It actually makes them feel better and that's when they bully you and that's why when people tell you, oh, they're insecure and don't worry about what they think and say and you think that's bullshit like because in that moment when they're bullying you, It feels so horrific because they feel powerful and you feel weak because that's the reality of the situation. They are powerful and you are weak in that moment. So getting out of that happens in one of two ways. Physically remove yourself and don't encounter the bullies. Probably going to need your parents' help on that. May need the school's help on that. And then the other one is become more powerful that's the fucking truth so those are your options man get out of the situation physically become more powerful that's it god i really want there to be like i want there to be more magical advice i want to send like a magical dragon to you who will fucking burn the bullies to a crisp and i want you to know and you lavish in this those guys one of two things will either happen to them as they get older which doesn't help you now But one of two things is going to happen to them. Either they realize that they are total assholes and they make a reversal of the kind that you can't imagine. I actually had a guy who tried to bully me in high school who apologized to me later. So that's certainly possible. It doesn't help with the time. But either that's going to happen or these dumbasses will spend their entire lives as dumbasses, and they will get nowhere, and they won't realize that they're bullies. They won't realize that they're holding themselves back. And so I promise, if you focus, and I'm going to make you a promise right now, for real, if you put all of your time and energy into getting powerful, and you start at the age of 10, and by powerful, I mean skills. You get really good at things that you really care about. Let me say that again. You get really good at things that you really care about, okay? If you spend the time, by the time you're 20, five years younger than where your brother is now, by the time you're 20, you will be a beast. You can put in the 10,000 hours, as they say, of time starting now. You're so much farther ahead of where most people are at because you have a growth mindset. At 10, I didn't get a growth mindset until I was 26. 26. So at 10, 10. If you're actually already developing a growth mindset, you're going to win on a long enough timeline for sure. So it's about surviving the bullying or getting away from it. Those are your two options. All right, my friend, stay in contact with me. In fact, DM me right now and in uh, go back to the name William Rosenberg. I want to get in touch with your brother. So you're going to write in to connect at impacttheory.com, and we're going to give your brother a way to get a hold of me. Um, I want to be another distant champion for him because. Bullying. All right, there it is. Okay, next question. I'm sweating. Next question is from Joanne Ionita. Hey Tom, thank you for all that you do. I know you mentioned that you will be talking about your past in your book. How do you get over the fear of sharing your past and some of the awful mistakes you made? Uh, how do you talk about your past that doesn't air too much of your laundry? Thank you. Much appreciated. Well, here is the strategy I'm going to employ. I'm going to air a metric shit ton of my dirty laundry. Um, so yeah, I I just, I was really dumb and I acted in accordance with my stupidity and because my goal is to pull people out of the matrix and because I'm not there anymore. And I think if I were, in fact, I know if I were still mired in it, I wouldn't be able to talk about it, but because I've gotten beyond it, um, I'm able to be really honest because it doesn't hurt me now, if that makes sense. Like, when I think about the person I was, it doesn't even feel like me. Like, my frame of reference, my mindset is so dramatically different. I I, uh, I can't fathom that I'm actually describing things that I really went through. Like, laying in bed for three hours a day, every day. Uh I literally can't believe that's me. When I think about how wound up I get about inefficiency of time now, it just seems absurd. But nonetheless, that was real. Uh, And a whole host of other things. So um, I wouldn't worry about that. I think that once you own it, once you can really be yourself, once your quest is for the truth, a real understanding of who you are, where you've come from, what you're doing, like not being afraid of your weaknesses is incredibly, incredibly powerful. And one of the most important things I ever learned... Was uh, or developed, I should say, was a willingness to stare nakedly at my inadequacies. Not to pretend that I don't have them, to stare nakedly at them. It's so empowering that um, that really fuels my willingness to do that. So I would cultivate that, that recognition that the power comes from a willingness to stare at all of those mistakes. All right. Question is from Tyler Van Hokalam. As you were going through your mindset journey, how did you decide who you were going to spend your time with and learn from? How did you go about sorting through people that just have conviction to find quality advice for guiding you through that mindset journey? How did you go about sorting through people that just have conviction to find quality advice? I don't understand the last part. Um, So the first part, as you were going through your mindset journey, how did you decide who you're going to spend your time with? Okay. So um, for the most part, it was authors. And that those have really been my most profound mentors, that and my wife. Um, and at the time, she was a, um, a hot chick that I just thought was really cool. And so I wanted to be around her. I didn't think, oh my gosh, she's going to help me become the person that I want to be. I just thought she was rad. Uh, and so I wanted to be around her. She made me feel better about myself. Um, When I was with her, then when I wasn't with her. So that seemed pretty cool. Um, So with her, that was why I spent that time. And it really was a serendipity that she ended up being so amazing uh, for me as somebody trying to develop myself. And then the books, though, I sought those out. And a lot of times it was somebody that I admired would recommend them that I would be reading a book and they would mention another book. And so I would go read that. Um so yeah those are like for instance um Tony Robbins who I've long been obsessed with said everyone should read Man's Search for Meaning so I read it that book rocked me if you haven't read Man's Search for Meaning, you must, largely because it's on my list of 27 books. And I know that each and every one of you is working your way through those books. Um, so when you get to Man's Search for Meaning, enjoy. But that's really how I did it. It, it um, Books, 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 books. Now, podcasts, podcasts, YouTube. I, I'm actually way harder on YouTube than I am on, on podcasts, but teach their own. Um, so I find people there YouTube does a great job recommending other people. So I follow those recommendations. I go deep down rabbit holes. Um, Yeah, that's what I did. I didn't use YouTube back then because it didn't exist, but you get the idea. All right, next up, Stacy Lee. How do you keep grinding when you feel burned out? I feel alone um, on a partnership in a clothing business I started with my friends. They're comfortable with the way we're moving, but I know our brand and company could do so much better. I've been leading by example, but it just feels like we're not on the same page I'm burning out. Okay, so one, um, I'll, I'll deal with, creating energy in isolation for a second and I'll segment it off from your business. If you want to create energy in your life, that energy is a choice. You simply decide that you're going to build energy. If you can't create energy from an ATP standpoint, you've got a whole host of problems already. Um, I prioritize sleep. I work out every day and I eat right. So from a just a biological mitochondria ATP production standpoint, I'm on point. So get that right, first of all. Second, then if you actually can generate the physical energy output from your body, the rest becomes motivation. It becomes a decision. It becomes where you're putting your attention. If you allow yourself to pay attention to burning out, you're going to notice that burnout fucking accelerates. If, on the other hand, you start thinking about the exciting things, where you're gonna take the business, all the reasons that you got into this, why it's worth dealing with these partners, then all of a sudden you realize, whoa, I've got that energy again. You're gonna to decide to bring the energy and you're gonna fucking bring it. Now, let's deal with your partners for a second. You've got options and you've gotta understand that your life is a reflection, an exact reflection of the choices you have made. So maybe you chose Poorly with your partners. Maybe you're not yet the person you need to be to lead by example to get them excited. Um, Maybe you're delusional about the situation. I don't know. Maybe your partners are just fuckheads and you need to get rid of them. That's also a possibility. So now, if we're just for simplicity's sake, I'll assume they got to go. So now we need to figure out how do we get them out? So one option, buy them out. Okay. Do we have the capital? I'll assume that we don't. So could you buy them out over time and say, look, all I want is control of the business. I no longer want you guys involved. I want to be able to give equity to other people. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy your equity out through sales. Can we agree to that? I'll even set a point And I'll say that you've contributed equally to where we are today. I'll even say that if I didn't do anything extra, that we'd grow by whatever percentage over the next 6 to 12 months. So now we've got our baseline 12 months from now. So 12 months from now, even though you're going to leave today 12 months from now, I'm gonna give you credit for that ongoing growth for what you've contributed. Our baseline, we mark in the sand at 12 months. Now I'm gonna say anything over that, I'm buying you out. And we're going to say, I'll give, and you can look these numbers up. So in a clothing company, it's probably, if you don't have like a brand that has like massive weight, 3X seems reasonable on revenue. So I'm gonna buy you out. So 12 months from now, whatever that number is, I'm gonna buy you out um, at 3X that number. So now we know exactly what those numbers are and you pay them over time. So that's one option. The other option is to say, I'm gonna give you um, vested equity Uh, as of today, it's going to be a massive haircut on where you're at. So let's say that you guys started as equal owners. You could say, I'm going to give each of you 10%. You're going to leave and never look back. You get to keep the 10% forever. If I sell that 10% is yours, maybe you even do some profit distributions. If I ever distribute profits, then you each get your 10% of that profit distribution. Um, but you're going to leave and never come back because I need the equity back to go and give equity to other people. Um, If you can't agree to that and they won't let you buy them out, then you need to decide, one, do we just set standards and we all agree on what we're going to do? And by the way, that could be a great way where if they're not willing to agree to like really contributing and pushing forward, um, then it's like, guys, you won't even agree to what I think are pretty simple things. You won't even agree to match me in time or match me in effort, whatever it is you want them to match you on. So if you're not willing to do that, then how are we ever going to make this work and let them see maybe in seeing that cold hard on paper, they'll realize they do want to be bought out. Conversely, if you don't want to do that, you may have to think, hey, it's actually better for me to leave and say, guys, I want to lock in my equity at 10% or I want to lock in at 12 months from now and get bought out, whatever, um, because I need to go and start something on my own. I don't think you guys are carrying the weight. So don't fall prey to the sunk cost fallacy, where you think just because you put however many four years or whatever into your business, that that means, oh, now I've got to stay here forever. If your partners are frustrating you and you're burning out, you're going to quit eventually anyway. That's precisely what burnout is. So... Those are your options. Okay, we only have five minutes left. Um, All right, this next question is from Booker Fritz, Facebook, Tom, quick question. How would you go about helping a business partner who is staying depressed from the grind and the struggle to obtain success? I'm trying super hard to relate to him and any problems he brings up I solve ASAP. I always try to go from the problem to the solution as fast as possible and with little negative emotional room in between. I feel he's stuck in the negative emotion 95% of the time. Okay, so... um, the reality is that you need to assess whether he realizes that or not. So if your partner is like, yeah, I totally get it. I need to put in the work. And then you can get them to agree, okay, yep, I'm going to put in the work, come up with a time frame. When do you think you're going to be out of that? Are you going to go to therapy? Like, where are we at? Is this clinical depression? Is this just deep unhappiness? Is it just pessimism and negativity? Like, where are we at? Um, can you leverage the negativity? Uh, and looking at it, it as depressed from the grind and struggle. So I'm going to guess that it's probably fruitless. Um, So if you guys can't on paper agree with what the strategy is that he needs to do to evolve his mind into a growth mindset, all the things that I just said to the other person about how to deal with their partners apply here. So um, you either need to buy them out or you need to get bought out and leave. Um, But being with somebody who's burning out um, and refusing to do something about it um, is a poor strategy for success. So I always meet people with compassion. I'd want to help them and all of that. But if they don't want to be helped, if they're not willing to put in the work, then I'm not going to sink my time into that. So there you have it. Okay. Uh, it's going to have to be the last one. This is from Nicholas Miranda. Hey Tom, how do you communicate to your manager when you see they're making actions that go away from the company's culture without burning yourself in the process? Um, it's all about agreeing ahead of time. So if you're working with somebody and you say, Hey, this is the culture, right? And as a CEO, yay, I get to dictate that literally like a dictator. Uh, and everybody that came onto the company, I actually said, Um, I'm a benevolent dictator and I shall run the company as such. I really want your ideas. I want you to bring them to the table 100%, 100%. I cannot do this by myself. And I want you to feel autonomy and the full weight of your value. But if our ideas ever come into conflict and we can't figure it out, we're always and forever going to go with my idea. So if you lay out the company culture, they know what it's all about, you've agreed ahead of time how you're going to treat people. Um and then they still don't adhere to that and you bring it to their attention, you work with them, uh you show them if they're like disinterested in actually working their way to that, you fire them. And there's just no two ways about it. So, agree ahead of time, make sure it's super clear. Make sure it's written down. That's pretty important. And then um, work with them. Talk to them. Be super um, blunt, not in like a dickhead aggressive way, like in a Ray Dalio's principles way. Um, So you want to be super, super clear, very truthful, very honest, um, and foster that kind of open, honest communication within the group. And then if they still don't rise that challenge, get rid of them. All right. We're going to have to tap out there. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. I love you guys all so much. And by the way, um, now I am every day I've allocated time to go in and reply to the comments. I don't feel that I'd been consistent enough in that. And it's one of the things I love most about what I'm doing. Um, So hopefully you'll notice just a, a massive uptick in that for everybody that takes the time to comment. I am so, so, so beyond grateful. Thank you guys so much for engaging with this community. It is incredibly meaningful. And as you know, my obsession right now, if you're into movies, TV shows, comic books, all that kind of stuff, go to youtube.com forward slash impact theory studios, studios, where we're going to be building our following. That's really going to be into the kind of content that we produce. It's all about mindset and media. So Pulling the mindset out of movies, out of Stranger Things, out of Thor, all of that good stuff. Uh, right now, we're putting out a panel show. We're going to be expanding our content, uh, but go check it out. Only don't go there as like a favor to me and oh, I've delivered value, so you want to go there? Go only if you're a huge fan of movies, um, TV shows, comics, books all that stuff. That's what we're going to be covering. Um, And so I only want diehard people there that are going to help foster that environment. Uh, In the meantime, I'll still be doing all of the stuff that we're doing here. Uh, But if you're into that stuff, go check it out. YouTube.com forward slash Impact Theory Studios. All right. I will see you guys there. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.